AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. January soybean meal posted a new contract high today. Blew right through the old high and posted a new contract high close by more than 10 bucks a ton. Wheat anchored the corn market again. And livestock futures all of a sudden can't catch a bid with specs exiting long positions. Live from Egression with Aggression via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, it's a conversation with Rich Nelson from Allendale. Right after the news, Joe Baklovic from Standard Grain. I, handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right. Thank you so much, Davis. Yeah. In the last week, in the last Uh week, January soybean meal has rallied 10.1% and January bean oil has dived 17.2%. Dived? Dove. Divin. Has divin. How many percent? 27 point what? No, 17.2. 17.2. So can you imagine being on the right side of that spread for the last week? Long meal, short oil. Mm-hmm. Or conversely, can you imagine being on the wrong side of it? Yeah. Because I'm sure that there are some of both out there. Just it, it's one of the most impressive spread moves mm. that I've seen in the product markets. And uh, I don't know what is going to be the energy in the market that changes what what is happening mm. with the selling in the oil and the buying in the meals. So, but we'll get Joe Vaklovic's take on it. And of course we'll get Rich Nelson's take on it. Welcome to Agritalk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. Glad that you are here this afternoon. How you doing, buddy? You sound a little down today. No. You want to, you want to talk? No, not at all. That's yeah, a little sure? cloudy. It's a little gloomy. It, oh. No, I'm fine. Okay. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Stiff upper yeah. lip and whatnot. Good for you. Oh, can I talk? Hey. Huh? Can I, can I talk? Big Apple Joe, sure. everyone. Would you like to talk, uh, Joe? We, we don't have enough time for me. That's okay. No, oh. go ahead. What do you got? It's too much. It's a lot, honestly. Move on. <laughs> Big Apple Joe, hey. everybody. Big Apple Big Joe. Apple Joe. Oh, <laughs> big round of applause for it. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. You know, just when you think he's got something to say, he doesn't. He's an enigma wrapped in a producer, is what he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. All right, buddy, let's get to the news. What do you got? Chip, the pace of selling in wheat futures may have slowed, but the high-range open and low-range close in wheat futures suggests the market still lacks buying interest. March soft red wheat futures traded to the lowest level since October 1st of 2021. Slow export demand and lower threats of disrupted supplies from Ukraine gave large speculators comfortably, uh, have large speculators comfortably on the short side of the market. March hard red winter wheat futures 11 and three quarter cents lower at 8.30. March soft red wheat dropped a dime, 7.29. March spring wheat closed at 8.96 and one quarter down five and three quarter cents. Chip. Again, take a look at the spread in the market there. The HRW contract trading at about a dollar premium to the SRW contract. And it's got to be because of the poor condition of the hard red winter wheat crop as it's heading into dormancy. 
Spillover pressure from wheat turned mid-morning price strength into afternoon price pressure in corn futures. Today's low-range close has chart watchers targeting support at the August 18 price low of 611 and one half. Crop stress in Argentina has not been enough to offset price pressure from slow export demand. Pro-farmer crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier sliced another 1 million metric tons from his Argentine corn crop estimate, dropping that to 48 million metric tons. Traders generally expect USDA to cut the U.S. corn export estimate in Friday's supply and demand report. March corn futures 3 and 1 quarter cents lower, 637 and 1 quarter. May corn down 3 and 1 quarter, 639. July corn futures closed at 636, down 3 and 1 half cents, Chip. Okay, so a month ago, the expectations were that USDA would cut the corn export estimate by 50 million bushels. Now, fast forward a month without, <laughs> with, with, with a month's worth of disappointing export sales reports, mm-hmm. and the expectations are a 50 to 100 million bushel cut. Well, Dr. Cordonier also cut 1 million from his Argentine bean crop estimate. He now expects a 48 million metric ton crop. The crop issues in Argentina may be turning into demand for U.S. soy products. Soybean meal futures are trading like a demand surge needs to be factored in to prices. And USDA this morning announced the sale of 264,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to China and the sale of 240,000 metric tons for delivery to unknown destinations, both sales for the current marketing year. Bean prices were higher, but futures cut early session gains in half to post a mid-range settlement. January beans 17 and one quarter cents higher, 14.55. March beans up 16 and one half cents, 14.61 and one half. July soybeans closed at 14.73 and one half. That's up 15 and three quarter cents. Chip. Yeah, at one point January beans up 34.35 cents. It was a big move, and then we gave back about half of those gains for a mid mid-range close. The potential for a cut to the U.S. cotton crop estimate in Friday's crop production report is limiting selling in cotton futures. March cotton, 80 cents higher today, 84.66. Livestock's February live cattle futures gapped lower, traded slightly higher to fill the gap, then were slammed through support at last week's low to post a near-session low close. Feb cattle, 220 lower today, 153.62.5. April fats a buck 95 lower, 157.62.5. January feeders down a dollar ninety-seven and one half at one eighty-one and eighty. And finally, yesterday's fall from session highs in Feb lean hogs generated follow-through selling today. Feb hogs gapped lower. February hogs three sixty lower, eighty-six ninety-two and a half, and April three hundred two and a half lower, ninety-two eighty. Chip. All right, thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Joe Vaklovic, Standard Grain. Good afternoon, Joe. What's up, Chip? How are you? Well, I'm fine. I'm trying to make. You know, as much sense of the spread action between the the bean oil and the meal as as I can. What do you make of it? Um, I guess the meal has something to do with Argentina. It's like going to be 105 degrees every day in Argentina this week, and their soybean planting campaign is way behind. Um, they're they're very very dry. And they're the world's largest uh, soybean meal exporter. So I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. I'm also just reading some stuff across the news wires right now. Uh, Bungie's CEO made some comments on soybean meal demand. Uh, he's talking about you know how it makes sense eventually for uh, China to buy U.S. soybean meal, uh, things along those lines. So 
I don't know, maybe there's some export demand uh, coming down the pipeline that we're not aware of yet. Also, um, when it comes to those Argentina crop estimates, I've heard some like, I guess you call them whisper numbers, that are yeah. quite a bit below what USDA has and what Cordonier has, um, things okay. along those lines. Okay. You know, as far as that, that meal demand from China goes, I wonder what China thinks of that. They're, they are geared up to process beans, and I don't know what would change their mind. And unless the meal oh, is cru- cheap enough. And margin, this is, yeah. yeah. And I thought their crush margins suck, but I, you know, I thought that was going to be like a longer term deal. That's probably what Bungie CEO is talking about too. I mean, with the expansion and, you know, us soybean crush, we're going to have all this excess meal sitting around. That's probably what he's referring to. I don't think he's talking right here and now, but uh, I'd, right. I'd say, you know, he, right here today, it's, it's probably the Argentina story more than anything. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, of course, uh, some disappointment for the biofuels industry, the bio-based diesel coming out of the RVOs, just, you know, taking the bid out of the bean oil market, at least yep, for now. Yep. yep. All right, Joe. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. See you, Jeff. All right. That is Joe Vaklovic, Standard Grain. When we come back, we are going to get to the supply and demand expectations of one Mr. Rich Nelson from Allendale, Inc., To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. Davis Michelson is here as well. Hello. For the conversation with Rich Nelson, Chief Strategist at Allendale, Inc. Rich, welcome back to AgriTalk. Thank you much for having me, guys. Always good to talk with you. Hope you guys are doing well. Yes, absolutely. We are doing well. Uh, matter of fact, I don't know if Davis could be doing any better. Uh, Davis? <laughs> Firing on all cylinders. You betcha. Yeah, yeah. all eight. All eight. You might all even be of- hitting on nine. <laughs> this is the sound of my wow. soul right now. Just a little window, a little window there. Love it. Good deal. Good deal. So, Rich, uh, let's go through your expectations for the supply and demand report. I know you spent a lot of time on these and and all the survey work that you do on the on the crop side of things. You you, you are not doing a crop survey this time around, are you? 
So we do two surveys each year. Uh, we do one for the March perspective plannings, uh, and okay. then also we do a separate yield survey in August. So okay. our estimates for this report for December and also for the January 12th, they're not solely based on survey numbers. So I wouldn't say that, but uh, we certainly try to try to do best we can here. Okay. Uh, but on the supply side of corn and soybeans, we shouldn't expect any changes from from uh, what we had in November in the crop production report. As a matter of fact, if we do, it'd probably be one of the first times. And that's certainly true. And, you know, I, I didn't even go back to look at, uh, at how many times USDA has made adjustments for corn or soybeans on this report. So I think it's very safe to say that uh, we're going to keep yeah. numbers unchanged for this issue. The big question we're all kind of looking at is, number one, we understand we've got some uh, some demand issues for corn. The yep. question for us is really what will USDA feel comfortable addressing? So December is not known for being a major change uh, for uh, for uh, product or for stock numbers. Uh, I want to say go back over 20 years, they've only made something over 100 million bushel changes only one year. So overall, we're expecting wow. a moderate increase in corn stocks, 1.182 billion last month. We're a little higher than the average trade gas. We're 1.258. So we've essentially taken off about 100 million bushels of demand for soybeans. While most of the trade does expect a moderate increase in stocks, uh, for ourselves, we're expecting numbers unchanged for this specific report here. Okay. All right. The changes on the demand side for corn, uh, th that demand coming out of the export estimate? It sure is. And, and I actually have it both on uh, corn for ethanol as well as uh, as exports. I've got okay. 50 million bushels cutting for both of them. Uh, issues for us on this ethanol side, we, we've already got two months of quote unquote whole month corn for ethanol numbers uh, from uh, USDA already. To make their current estimate work for the rest of the year, we'll have to see corn for ethanol usage run back up to, I want to say, only a half percent cut below the 2019 uh, last normal driving season uh, numbers. So we do expect something uh, lower on the corn for ethanol side not regarding the last week's uh, EPA numbers. And for corn uh, exports, we do expect 50 million bushels. I think that's relatively consistent for most people there. You know, I, where is that that uh, slowdown in the crush, corn crush for ethanol coming from? Because a year ago, it, well, I, sh I should say our corn for ethanol estimate a year ago was 5.326. And, and the estimate now is 50 million bushels below that at 5.275. Uh, is it in greater efficiency from the corn crop or are we just not making as much ethanol? You know, I think that's a, the key issue here for us. The key issue for us right now is is probably that the latter it is the pushback still going on for general gasoline usage. You know, I want to say we're like 33 weeks. It's something like the average is a 7% pushback. From that 2019 level so okay i think that's the biggest issue right there not necessarily uh, efficiency changes okay all right um is that something that you feel like is going to be with us for a while rich i do and i'm i'm concerned um i, I i'm not taking big hits off the balance sheet for my own personal personal numbers but the issue is, if we don't really change a lot on the export sales discussion or corn for ethanol you know, our total pushback on demand for this annual balance sheet number, you can easily start with a 200 million bushel change. You can go up to 300, 400. So 
it's way too early to start making serious changes on the balance sheet. However, certainly for corn, we do have some holes, which we're suggesting USDA has to recognize at least some respect. Okay. Okay. Um, what did you say your corn carryover estimate was? I, I, I didn't get it written down. You bet. So uh, last month, 1.182 USDA, uh, we're at 1.258. So just a little okay. higher than the average trade guess. Okay. 1.258 billion bushels. It is an increase, but it's it's well short of being comfortable on the supply side for a cushion going into the 23 year, correct? It, it sure is. And, and you know, from, from people listening on a price side, this really implies like a 660 price for futures. So we're, we're trading uh-huh. at about a, a 20 cent discount, meaning this market feels like the, the, the true demand side is maybe it's a little more than what USD will show us here. Yeah. Boy, that, 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 uh, that is impressive that here we are at a 660, um, you know, for suggesting the price and, and it, it just, I know that we've talked about this before, Rich. There's a couple of ways to destroy demand. You do the quick spike in price to a high enough level that it just gets everybody to throw their hands in the air and say, no, I'm done buying. Or you hold prices high enough long for a long enough period of time that you very slowly see the exit of some of that demand from the market. Are you seeing any of that on the feed side of things? It's... At, at all right now as far as best guess that's a, a really big question here for us so i, I think for the feed side I, i'm keeping my numbers unchanged and i will do so until okay. you know the january report up ahead but the issue for the feed side is if you actually want to do a feed model right which is not how these numbers are done uh right. if you actually start cutting out uh, uh, uh you know feedlot numbers here in that second quarter third quarter whatever you can make some arguments for a lowered feed use. For myself, I'm not changing numbers here just yet, though. Right. I love how you just you just kind of say, well, and you know these numbers aren't done, right? And it's because of the residual <laughs> component in there, right? It is. Yeah. And for people listening, uh, and USD has said this themselves, uh, feed residual numbers are matched up with the total supply of corn offered. They're not matched up with livestock numbers, which is the most frustrating thing from a number standpoint that uh, we can think of here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it it has caused me to rename that category feed and fudge. Um, it has, <laughs> it has caused me to beg the, the, the people at USDA to split those two numbers out and give us a feed number and a residual number. Uh, but the simple fact of the matter is, is even if we did just get a feed as a feed use estimate on corn, it would still be model driven, wouldn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's the issue. Uh, even the yeah. best guess we could we could ask them to come up with, it's still got some uh, some holes in it. So it's still one of these issues where these quarterly grain stocks reports, which in, in prior years always gave us some big surprises. This is still the issue, which makes it so frustrating from trying to nail down these numbers as, a, as best as we can, so to speak. Right. Right. OK. So what does all of this on the 2022-23 balance sheet mean? for decision-making on the 23 crop. And that's a big deal. And, and 
anybody who's running these numbers where they add in just 1 million of, uh, of extra corn acres, 3 million extra corn acres, if you play with the idea that we have a realistic shot at trend yield, then you're talking these uh, balance sheet numbers expand easy to, to 1.7 billion bushels on the corn. That gets you a futures price. This is a futures price, a potential low like next year of, of like four, four and a quarter. So the potential of this market, if we do get trend yields, which many of our, our people listening will, will disagree with, is uh, is quite is quite important. So combined with the questions on the old crop demand base as well as the potential story of new crop supply, there's some there's some big questions in front of us here. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. And if the trend of China buying some Brazilian corn this year extends into next year. And becomes a headwind for for U.S. corn export demand in the year ahead. It, it it makes those that that low price projection or or potential seem even that much more realistic, doesn't it? Oh my God! It certainly does. And uh, heck, wow. on top of that, let's throw in this uh, this psychological concern about Mexico as well, which is going to still yeah. gonna overhang our head for these next few months here too. So th- there's a lot of questions still here for corn specifically. Yep. Yep, that's right. I am shocked that we are at the end of that segment. Good grief, that went by in a hurry. We are having a conversation with Rich Nelson, Chief Strategist at Allendale. We'll keep it going next right here on AgriTalk. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. A lack of rain and high temperatures are increasing crop stress across Argentina. Atmospheric and oceanic indicators reflect a a mature La Nina, suggesting a return to Enzo neutral conditions in January or February. Epitome Energy plans to build a $400 million soybean crushing plant in Grand Forks, North Dakota. The European Central Bank will have to raise interest rates several more times to tame price pressures. The U.S. and European Union are weighing new tariffs on Chinese steel and aluminum as part of a bid to fight carbon emissions, and state transport officials and companies in the charging industry are pushing the Biden administration to delay a January deadline for chargers to be made in the U.S., citing a need to ramp up domestic production first. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more at tryprofarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. 
You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. We are in the middle of a conversation with Rich Nelson, Chief Strategist at Allendale. Uh, before we get back to Rich, let's go ahead and recap where the markets closed. Davis. Chip, March hard red winter wheat futures were 11 and three quarter cents lower at 8.30. March SRW wheat dropped a dime to 7.29. March corn futures were three and one quarter cents lower, 6.37 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 6.36. That's down three and one half cents. January soybean futures were 17 and one quarter cents higher, but 14.55. July soybeans closed at 14.73 and one half. That's up 15 and three quarter cents. March cotton futures, 80 cents higher, 84.66. Livestocks, February fat cattle, $2.20 lower, 153.62 and a half. January feeders off, 197 and one half, 181.80. And February lean hog futures, $3.60 lower, 86.92 and a half. That's your quick market recap. Back to you, Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Rich Nelson is the chief strategist at Allendale, Inc. Rich, talk to me about the product spreads in the in the soy complex. Uh, this is an impressive move. I don't recall seeing this kind of a move on that that meal oil spread in quite some time. And that's certainly the, the way to put it here. Uh, I, I think a lot of us are looking at today's actions specifically on meals with a maybe a, a little bit of confusion. Uh, we can certainly agree, and, and I agree 100% that this Argentine forecast does warrant a premium and does warrant a little concern for uh, for meal specifically. But, you know, the question here for us is, and, and the balancing point for us on soybeans is, does this mean a change for us net on the soybean pricing side? So yeah. I'm still quite uh, surprised by this uh, meal side of things here. I think we expected stable prices for the most part, but not this type of move here uh, in the past uh, couple of days. So certainly, uh, uh, certainly some surprises here. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, Joe Vaklovic at the start of the show made reference to some of the whisper numbers that might be out there on the Argentine crop. Uh, Dr. Michael Cordonier is at 48 million metric tons on the Argentine bean crop and on the corn crop. Uh, that's, that's a number that traders are going to pay attention to when we get the update on Friday, won't they? It, it will. And, and I did notice... USDA is, is kind of reluctant to change South American numbers here in December. They don't use it. I usually do it on, on an office often basis. But the issue for us is the trade does expect some type of movement on Argentine corn and soybean numbers uh, for this report. Uh, for myself, which I expect numbers stable with uh, with last month, but on my own personal balance sheet, I do have some type of late planting yield risk plugged in. And we are going to start including some type of dryness as we go into the reproductive phase uh, directly in the weeks ahead. Uh, so I, I do expect my numbers, which are slightly off trend. I think that certainly will be changing these next few weeks, though. Okay. You know, with the way that the bean market is trading in relation to corn, can the bean market kind of sneak higher for a while? And I mean, and and get to a high enough level in the 23 crop markets that all of the sudden beans are competitive for acres here in the U.S. sometime over the winter? 
I actually think so. I, I don't think the soybean yeah. issue is, is, is it, it has to be connected with corn. I think in this case, corn has its own story where this demand issue is front and center. We can argue there's a need for Argentine premium, uh, base premium, but that's a premium for Argentina when we're starting out in a hole in perception of demand. So I think the soybeans, yeah, I think we can have a, a moderate amount of, of support here. Uh, I, I Until we get really serious about this January weather issue for Argentina, I'm not ready to say that soybeans can push past 1480, for instance. So I'm not a major bull on that side here yet, but I think our discussion, can soybeans withstand uh, pressure for corn? I, I agree with that, certainly true. Okay. All right. Um, soybeans, we... We, uh, if I recall right, no, we didn't. We didn't get much of a change at all. We got a 10 million bushel increase in crush uh, demand in in the balance sheet on the old crop, on the 22-23 crop uh, uh, last month. Any change that you are anticipating on Friday for the old crop balance sheet? So the trade does suggest a little problem, uh, and they, I think the average trade gas uh, Reuters and 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 and, uh, and Bloomberg, I think they're up in that two thirty range. So going from two hundred twenty million bushels last month into that mid two thirties, upper end of two thirties. For myself, I'm I'm still saying no change for the specific report, but I do agree that there's a light amount of concern with the export side. I could see maybe a ten million bushel movement there, but I'm I'm not really getting too excited here just yet. We still have a few weeks of, of reasonable last minute seasonal sales of China. That's reasonable. And what the COVID hopes, maybe we can we can uh, pick out a few more sales here like we did uh, in, in today as well as yesterday. So I'm, I'm certainly not uh, too bearish yet on the, on the soybean balance sheet discussion here. Well, you know, and if we end up anywhere south of 250 million bushels at the end of the 22-23 marketing year, that's a tight supply side cushion on 23 crop uh, balance sheet, isn't it? It, it certainly is. Uh, you know, you're you're basically saying, hey, this crop which should be priced on the futures basis, roughly fourteen dollars for this current crop. Let's okay. keep a little bit of Argentine premium in hand, and and that's fine. Even if you're throwing trend yields for next week, uh, next year's discussion, you're still in that two hundred to three hundred million bushel range in most respects. So different than corn, we're not seeing a general trend changing argument for soybeans. You can argue softening, but we're not yet making that argument that. We're going to have this thing going to $12 or, or sub 12 here just yet. Okay. All right. All right. Anything that we that, that you're watching on the wheat balance sheet? You know, for the wheat side, I, I, I simply have a, a simple 15 million bushel cut here for these uh, for these NXOC numbers or 15 million bushel increase. Uh, I think I'm just a little okay. higher than the average trade guess on this one. Uh, average trade gas says we're going from 571 million bushels last month. I think they're up to 576 for the average trade gas. But let's keep in mind, guys, we've had such a narrow trading range in wheat stocks this year. 639 on the high end since May. We've got 571 here last month. So almost no real change from a tight supply story. And you look at the change in prices. So I, I am looking at the balance sheet for wheat, but I'm not saying it has to be a price mover just with all of our other things okay. that this market is trading on here. Yeah. Yeah. I think the wheat market is focused on other things rather than supply and demand right now, isn't it? That's really true. Certainly true. Yeah. How yep. frustrating is this? Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Okay. Let's switch over here and talk a little bit about what's going on in the meat markets, beef demand, pork demand. Uh, 
the the way that this cattle market and hog market have traded the past couple of days, they're chart watching right now, aren't they? They certainly are. And and we don't we do know there is an early December seasonal, which is still kind of in play. And as we go into the second week of of this month, we're 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 doing procurement now for that kind of post holiday period. So it is true we have a few days still in front of us of potential seasonal base weakness. Uh, the question, especially for this year, as we're looking toward these tightness supplies next year, is this seasonal break ahead of us? If it's still there, isn't going to be really much at all. So a, a lot of questions about how long this little break we're going to see these next few days is, is going to last. Though. What does the timetable look like on tightening supplies of those market-ready cattle coming to market? So here's what I have right now. In the past four weeks, we've been running slaughter numbers, I'm going to say about a half percent over last year. And that's positive because back in September, we were 4% over last year. But we're going to stay at this even to slightly under last year level from now through March. And then it's going to be second quarter hits. And that's when the, the pandemonium of tight supplies is really going to hit. So I, I know there's a lot of questions about recession-based demand. Uh, yep. hits so to speak but i think in this case the live animal pricing level of beef is a is a no-brainer and, and that's the second quarter passed on out here is our is our issue yeah and and the american consumer has shown the ability to eat their way through a recession in the past they have and let's also point out that this year's recession discussion is different Number one, it's not a 2008 to 2009 uh, right. type of uh, scare your pants off, off recession. This is, this is one where the consumer is still buying beef. Our total hit in retail beef prices is only 6 to 9% from those highs posted last fall, just 6 to 9%. Uh, you've got the pork side, which hasn't seen any drop in retail pricing. Uh, so I, I think our, our message for us is, for now, this recession discussion, which is always a concern for us on meat demand, yeah. it's something we're going to be able to get by. I, I don't see it yeah. being a major problem as far as hitting prices for us on a live basis. Well, and then if we could get some export demand back on the pork side of things, that would uh, kind of spruce that whole outlook up as well. It, it sure would. And, and that's my big question mark for us. So we, we've got the question of Chinese pork prices. Uh, they've recovered 50% of their big uh, of their big downtrend. Uh, we've got the argument for the COVID-based uh, rebound in, in demand, so to speak. But yeah. does that mean they're going to buy U.S. pork? And, and I think that's a big concern because so far, at least through November 17th, this buying has not yet lived up to hopes. So we'll see if that does change these next few weeks, though. If the, if it does change, um, the the overall production numbers on pork are not – they can handle the, the export demand. I'm not saying that, but any uptick in export demand is going to be bullish from the hog price, isn't it? It sure will. And, and yeah. as far as some background for, for our, our listeners here, um, we're all talking about this tight beef supply story for next year on out. And that's true. But keep in mind, pork is already at four-year lows in production offered. So if you're going to have any type of of uh, loosening in this export market changed if we go back from a slack export market yep. to uh, some type of pull yep. combined with the beef discussion this next yep. year pricing scenario is, is quite uh, quite interesting rich that went by really fast thank you my friend rich nelson allendale 
From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Hey. Your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device. Agritalk is live every weekday. Christmas Timberlake now! Oh, don't, no, no, don't fade it. Oh, Christmas Timberlake. Christmas. Never mind. Welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. <laughs> oh, the ladies now. Morocco beat Spain. Did they? Yeah. Yeah, in uh, uh, geez, what do you call it? Overtime, football. Kicks. You call it football. Kicks. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, with the, with three, the kicking. Uh-huh. Yeah, with, with the, yeah, but uh, um, it was three nothing. Uh huh. In overtime, wow, it was. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I, just, I know I'm uh, not using the right right terminology, but yeah, no, uh, that's good. Um, I just watched a game where uh, Richmond broke like an eight game tie streak oh. and uh and the secret was actually for one player to play more <laughs> selfishly from time to Is, time which really an interesting approach yes it's fascinating a fascinating game yes absolutely yes, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> you know the cat the the coaching staff there mm-hmm. is just mm-hmm. um yeah they've got quite the story to tell it's it's almost like a comedy it really is. It really is. Yeah. The little guy who sort of came up from obscurity, the towel boy who's now oh. in suits and learning to assert himself at the restaurant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, that guy, I've had enough of him. Okay? You've had enough. You've had enough. I've had enough of him. Yes. Strong statement. Strong just statement. Wait, just wait until you get another uh, another uh, episode or two in. Uh-huh. <laughs> You'll have uh-huh. enough of him, too. <laughs> Great. Oh, great. Because I like him. I'm rooting nope. for the. Mm-mm. No? Nope. Kick him out. Don't All need right. nothing to do with him. All right. All right. Yep. Good to see Roy Kent back, too. He's where he belongs. Um, oh, yeah. Seriously, though, Rich Nelson from <laughs> Allendale. Um, okay. If, if there's a theme, and it wasn't a real strong theme, I'm not going to call this like a 180 proof theme. Um, in okay. this afternoon's broadcast confusion a little bit of confusion mm-hmm. we're seeking some clarity mm-hmm. um supply side numbers to remain unchanged in the s and d's right. on friday i think that right. is is where the least amount of confusion we're, we're pretty sure right. on that right say that with certainty absolutely okay okay well, i'll check certain on that box uh psychological concern over mexico uh their corn demand yeah, yeah. Uh, the the gmo thing thing 
Do we need to be confused about this, or can we check the certainty box on this as well? No. I, I think I go back to Rectopamine. And other episodes from other countries who are like, no, prices are high. Suddenly we hate GMOs type of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Maybe there's some of that. But the uh, president, uh, Obrador, have I got that right? Yeah. Obrador. Si. Obrador. Did you hear that? Well, I actually yeah, did it. Was... I rolled my R's. It was excellent. I didn't know I could even do that. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, but he has expressed a desire, an ideological desire, to move away from GMOs. And in my opinion, therefore, to move away from science and to completely immerse in some of the, uh, you know, pseudoscience, uh, the, the beliefs science rather than fact science. And that's very concerning because if if the the uh, the biggest importer of U.S. corn makes that decision, well, yeah, and goes and goes one hundred percent that way. Anybody else out there that doesn't have a little thing called the U.S. Mexico Canada trade agreement, mm-hmm. uh, it, it it opens the it opens the door for for others to do something similar and. Could it be done in an effort to manipulate the market? Absolutely, it could be. Yeah, yeah. But I think but, this is an ideological push. But it is a wet blanket, something that we need to think about well, as sure. we get into that twenty-two, twenty-three, and excuse me, into the twenty-three, twenty-four marketing year. Well, because given the the humongous amount of corn that they consume, that they mm-hmm. use, it just it, you know, yeah. and then and then to go all ideological on it, it feels, you know, it's. It's like what they call uh, first world problems, you know? Yeah. My iPhone is really slow. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you eat today? Well, yes, I did, actually. You know, it, it right. feels like that sort of a thing. Like, oh, we have Damn the luxury Damn you, now. Apple. I hope you lose 10% today. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, what? I, I think... <laughs> is no, that you, I'm Joe? Not, I'm We're listening, for that. Joe. Oh, you weren't talking about me. Okay. Of course you we were. <laughs> Big we Apple. could. We, no, it's okay. Different it's apple. okay, Joe. It's Different apple. Um, the uh, it's probably going to be whittled down, watered down, what however you want to put mm-hmm. it, to uh, GMO white corn into specific markets. Aha! Uh-huh. That may have some sort of a restriction on it. I, I so just he gets to maintain the optics way. Right. Yeah. I just don't see any way that they are going to be able to make a move on the animal, uh, the corn for feed, mm-hmm. to ban GMOs. I, I that that uh, that is shooting their cattle industry in the foot. They can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, the in the hoof. The R- <laughs> yes. Uh, the RG forecast maybe God. warrants a little bit more premium. Uh, does it or does it not? We got we got S and D's this week. Is that sort of uh, eclipsing concern over the RG forecast? Well, it depends on what the whisper number is that's that's factored in. Is it something under forty five million ton on both corn and soybeans? If it is, and that's factored in after the move in the meal market, after the move in the bean market, mm-hmm. that's one thing. Uh, because it has turned, it, it does seem to be turning into additional demand for U.S. 
for U.S. soybeans, at least. If we see a meal sale, which wouldn't surprise me based on the way that this market has performed, mm-hmm. but if we see a meal sale announced or even just a big weekly, uh, a big tally in the weekly export sales report on Thursday morning, then then it, it, it has turned into additional uh, demand for, for U.S. product. So, okay. Very good. All right. All right. Hey, I got to hit the road, dude. I'm going to be gone tomorrow. I know that you are going to go through the Ag Economy Barometer with Dr. Jim Mintert from Purdue. Right. Also have a farmer forum. And then tomorrow mm-hmm. afternoon, if it's okay with you, yeah. I just assume that you go ahead and keep going and have that conversation with, uh, with, with Huber. All right. From the Huber oh. Report. Oh, he's great. Fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Stick around. Right. Uh, tune in tomorrow, everybody. Agritalk. 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 